Chapter Three of the Friendly Terrace Quartet, or Peggy Raymond at the Poplars, by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. Ruth finds her niche. Ruth had been down to the train to see the girls start on their great adventure. It is never particularly inspiring to see one's friends off, unless one's own plan are definite and interesting. Ruth had no plans, and the summer stretching ahead of her seemed as dark and cheerless as an arctic winter. Ruth lacked the sunniness of disposition which enabled Peggy to adapt herself contentedly to her circumstances. Indeed, she possessed something of a talent for making the worst of things. And as she retraced her steps in the direction of Friendly Terrace, which now seemed to her a veritable deserted village, her heavy heart grew heavier moment by moment. Instead of going indoors, where she would encounter her mother, and in sheer decency be obliged to assume an air of cheerfulness, Ruth dropped into a chair on the porch, and gave herself up to the luxury of being miserable. Out of the quartet of chums she was left alone. Peggy had talked about missing her, but that was only Peggy's dearness. They could not possibly miss her as she missed them, with an aching, ever-present sense of emptiness and loss. There would be too much to do for them to miss anybody, too much excitement, too much novelty. The girls had all promised to write, but it did not require much insight to guess that there would be little time for letters. In justice to Ruth, it should be said that her sense of utter dejection was not altogether selfish. Multitudes of young people, the country over, were awakening to a sense of responsibility for others, and Ruth, too, was eager to do her share. It was humiliating to think there was no niche she could fill. Graham was in uniform, training for service across the water. Peggy and Priscilla and Amy would spend the summer toiling that the hungry might be fed. But there seemed no place where Ruth was especially needed. It occurred to her that she would feel decidedly better if she could cry about it. But, as so often happens when tears would be a relief, they would not come. Dry-eyed, but with an ache in her throat, and a heavy lump where her heart should have been, she sat staring at the pink rambler roses, opening in the June sunshine as joyously as if war had never been heard of. The sound of passing footsteps drew Ruth's eyes from the pink roses to the sidewalk. A tall, slender young fellow was just opposite the porch, and he lifted his hat as her eyes met his. Ruth nodded indifferently. She had known Nelson Hallowell ever since she could remember, and though she both liked and respected him, as most people did, she was too absorbed by her unhappiness to spare any thought for her neighbor. A feeling of distinct irritation blended with her surprise when she realized that he was coming up the walk. "'Why couldn't people let her alone?' she asked herself, with the unreasonable born of depression. Nelson's ground for stopping, it appeared, was a very natural one. "'Good afternoon, Ruth. What do you hear from Graham?' Ruth had the grace to feel ashamed of herself. She realized that Nelson had misinterpreted her melancholy air, assuming it was anxiety over Graham, while, as a matter of fact, her own disappointment had overshadowed, for the time being, her concern for her brother's safety. Stammering a little, Ruth replied that Graham was well, and that if his letters could be relied upon, enjoying camp life immensely. "'Sit down, Nelson,' she added with a feeling of compunction for her passing annoyance. "'You're home early, aren't you?' Nelson did not accept her belated hospitality. "'I've left the store,' he said quietly. "'I'm going to enlist.' "'You, Nelson?' Ruth's voice, rather than her words, showed her astonishment. "'But you're not old enough to be drafted.' "'I'll be twenty in October. 
but we hallowells haven't ever waited to be made to go the blood flushed his thin cheeks as he made this boast i had a great-grandfather i believe it was in the revolutionary war and there's been a hallowell in every little mix-up we've had since i'm the last of the line and i felt as if i couldn't stand it to stay at home ruth stared at his transfigured face hardly recognizing her shy quiet neighbor but nelson i don't see how your mother can let you go i thought she broke off her impulsive speech halfway realizing that her interest was carrying her unduly far nelson's eyes glowed oh mother's game all right he said i've just been aching to get into uniform but i didn't say a word because i thought she couldn't spare me i'm all she's got and besides i'm earning a decent salary now and she can take things a little easier than she used to mother guessed what i was thinking and one night a week ago she told me that if i wanted to go not to worry a bit about her some firms are paying salaries to the men that enlist ruth reminded him nelson laughed well i don't look for anything like that from mr flynn he doesn't approve of my going at all in fact he spent most of the time for the last week arguing to me how perfectly unreasonable it is for a fellow to go until he has to it won't be so easy to fill my place as it would be in ordinary times i suppose he'll give you your job back when the war's over he says not i imagine it depends on whether he gets anybody who suits him in the meantime ruth's eyes flashed he ought to be ashamed of himself making it hard for you to serve your country i don't think mr flynn quite understands nelson explained excusingly he thinks i'm carried away by excitement and that i don't realize what war is like it's just because i do realize that i want to have a hand in it his boyish mouth drew into a straight uncompromising line and he stared ahead as if he saw not the peaceful streets of his native city but ravished belgium and bleeding france ruth recalled him by a practical question but nelson what is your mother going to do why she'll have part of my pay you know and something from the government and she says she'll get along and i'm not to worry i wish the house was paid for you see we bought it before father died and we've been paying off the mortgage a little at a time he fidgeted with his hat his face overcast mother laughs at me for worrying but she isn't getting any younger and i'd hope her hard years were over he added as he held out his hand drop in to see her now and again won't you ruth of course i will nelson ruth clasped his hand tightly i think she's wonderful i don't know how she could be so brave and splendid nelson's eyes glowed at her praise yes she's all right mother is if i begin to worry about next winter with the fires to look after and prices still higher as they're bound to be she won't hear a word if there were more mothers like her there wouldn't be any need of the draft ruth sat watching him as he went down the street the tall slender figure with the slight stoop to the shoulders had little about it to suggest the soldier but ruth realized vaguely that this boy and his mother were typical of a great peace-loving nation that had heard the call to arms she found herself thrilled eager her late sense of grievance had vanished like a mist in the sun she was ashamed of her pettiness as nelson passed around the corner two blocks away and disappeared from her sight ruth started impetuously to her feet she rushed into the house to find her mother and half an hour later emerged bright-eyed and radiant a very different girl from the one who had sat moping on the porch wish me luck mumsy she called over her shoulder yes dear i do mrs wiley came to the door smiling bravely 
though she knew the tears would fall as soon as ruth was fairly out of sight what a world it had become with her boy in the training camp and her little girl stepping out of the protection of home to take her place in the ranks of the world's workers ruth would never know not at least till she was a woman herself what that smile cost her mother mr flynn proprietor of the university bookstore was just finishing waiting on a customer when a slender girl dressed in brown walked in and stood at his elbow mr flynn's face was puckered as if he were eating a very sour apple he had lost the assistant on whom he had grown to depend and he could see no chance for taking a summer vacation moreover if all the university students were going to enlist there would be a serious falling off in business mr flynn felt out of sorts with all the world he gave his customer her change as if he grudged her every penny and then turned his forbidding gaze on ruth well he barked what can i do for you i'm looking for a position explained ruth her cheeks flushed under her irritable attention a position what experience have you had in a bookstore i haven't any experience anywhere ruth replied with spirit i've just graduated from high school hm mr flynn stroked his bristling gray beard his mood was savage enough so he would have found satisfaction in giving ruth a curt dismissal but common sense whispered that such a course would be unwise it did not require any especial prophetic gift to foresee that labor would be scarce in the near future and wages high it was necessary for him to get help at once and the girl looked intelligent mr flynn called ruth to the back of the store gave her a chair and questioned her as to her qualifications when he offered her her just half of what he had been paying nelson flynn's manner became almost genial i am paying you very well indeed miss wiley considering you are just a beginner he informed her but of course i can do better when you are thoroughly familiar with the business in course of time but you see i only want ruth interrupted and then stopped short fearing that she had been indiscreet mr flynn fixed his little gray eyes upon her they seemed to be boring into her like gimlets you were just saying ruth could not think of any way to finish the sentence but the one she had originally intended i only want to keep the position she stammered till nelson hallowell gets back from the war mr flynn made a gesture as if he were brushing something aside as far as that young hallowell is concerned i feel under no obligations to him he is not yet twenty and by the time he is of the draft age the war will probably be over he left me in the lurch because he lost his head about going to war as so many young fellows do if you give satisfaction you shall have the place whether he comes back or not ruth rose abruptly as a rule she was a rather diffident girl in the presence of strangers but her indignation made short work of her shyness you think i would do that her voice rang through the room like a bell you think i'd keep a soldier's job if he came back and wanted it i'd rather starve mr flynn looked up at her in astonishment apparently blended with an alarmed uncertainty as to what she would do next ruth's righteous indignation vanished at the sight of his bewildered face and she bit her lip to keep from laughing she realized that it was useless getting angry with mr flynn he did not speak her language he was constitutionally incapable of understanding what other people felt in the crisis well mr flynn said soothingly after a pause it's not a question that has to be settled to-day and it's one of my rules never to go ahead to meet trouble now if you have time you might spend the afternoon making yourself familiar with your duties 
Ruth took off her hat and under Mr. Flynn's supervision went to work. All through the afternoon customers dribbled in and out, and after Ruth had made one or two sales she began to feel extremely businesslike and important. It was nearly five o'clock and Mr. Flynn was preparing to lock up when the door opened and a familiar figure appeared. Good afternoon. I found that I left my pocket knife. Nelson stopped short as his gaze fell on Ruth. He stared at her in speechless amazement. You see, Hallowell, remarked Mr. Flynn in evident enjoyment of his surprise, that your position didn't stay vacant very long. Nelson recovered himself. I'm glad you weren't inconvenienced, sir. The young lady takes hold as if she were going to make good. By the time she has been here as long as you have, said Mr. Flynn maliciously, you won't be able to teach her anything. I'm sure of that, Nelson replied, and went to the back of the room to find his missing knife. But Ruth felt hot and uncomfortable. There was no reason why Nelson should be aggrieved over the discovery that she had so promptly stepped into his shoes. Yet she thought she had seen a hurt wonder in his eyes. As a matter of fact, there is something in human nature which resents the discovery that one's place can be so easily filled. Ruth watched Nelson shrewdly as he came back with his knife in his hand. He exchanged a few words with Mr. Flynn, and then stopped to speak with her. Ruth thought his smile was forced. In a moment she had made up her mind. "'Are you going directly home, Nelson?' "'Yes.' "'Then wait a minute for me, unless you are in a hurry.' She went to the back of the store for her hat, said good-night to her new employer, and joined Nelson on the sidewalk. His manner had become propitiatingly friendly, almost, Ruth thought, as if he were accusing himself of having done her an injustice in his thoughts and was determined to atone for it. Ruth was not naturally so outspoken as Peggy, but some experiences in her past life had taught her how much unhappiness can be saved by a little plain speaking. She did not mean to repeat her former mistakes. "'You must have been surprised to see me here, Nelson,' she said. "'It looked as if I were in a great hurry to take your place.' The blood rushed to the roots of his hair. "'Why, no, indeed, Ruth,' he remonstrated. "'Somebody had to have the position. I'm glad it's you.' I was in a hurry, though, Nelson, and I'll tell you why. You said Mr. Flynn wouldn't promise you your position when you came back, but I only want it till you're ready to take it. You know, don't you, that I wouldn't keep it a minute longer? His flush deepened. That's awfully white of you, Ruth. Why, it's not my job now, and I haven't any more right to it than any other fellow. You have every right to it, she said a little angrily. I'm just holding it down till you come back and that isn't all, Nelson. I want to pay part of my salary to your mother. Nelson stopped short. Ruth Wiley, what are you talking about? Do you suppose my mother— We're not objects of charity. She caught him by the arm and looked him in the face till his eyes dropped before her indignant gaze. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Nelson. Charity. Aren't you giving up everything, your home, and your chance to get ahead and perhaps your life? Isn't your mother giving you? And don't you understand— that a girl who can't fight or even farm may want to do something for her country, want it so much that it hurts? The tears that would have been a relief a few hours earlier, but were only a nuisance now, suddenly blinded her. She swallowed and blinked and coughed and dabbed her eyes with her handkerchief, and still they kept coming. The two young people walked for some distance without saying a word, and then Nelson broke the silence. War or no war, he declared. This is a fine and dandy old world. Isn't it? cried Ruth, and the radiance of the face lifted to his. 
made the tears upon her cheeks seem decidedly incongruous. End of chapter 3